we be live. Hello. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, we're doing the news again, like we do every week. We're going to cover the news um, surrounding things about religion, atheism, politics, culture, but mostly religion. Uh, Susie, how's the news today? Is it like bad news, good news? Is it like tragedy? Oh, we have trend. so much to get into. It's ridiculous. Okay. Okay. It, yeah, but what's the vibe? Like, is it like happy, scary? Like, we're going to do some, it's not, we have some funny, happy things at the end, or just like funny things at the end. But like, the fr I'm not even going to lie, like the front of this show, we've, we're, we're, we're going in. Like, there's a yeah. lot to get into. It's mostly about India this week. There's been a lot of stuff going on, major, major, big things. And I did a lot of research today to bring it to you guys. Okay, Susanna spent a lot of time researching today's news. So make sure you reward us by liking this video, okay? It doesn't cost you anything, and it really, really helps us. So please like the video. We're also okay? going to be talking about some very controversial things that YouTube hates um but it's important to talk about these things so please right. like comment support us in other ways outside of youtube because um yeah the platform doesn't like it when we talk about important things so. yeah yeah um also cool. happy pride to everyone happy we pride. haven't had a proper Wait. happy pride moment stand up because channel. it doesn't show what the t-shirt the, the subscribe thing is showing oh there we go I lost. <laughs> Allah is gay, oh, baby. And that's a gay cabba. Um, yes. And you actually, guys, you can buy this Allah is gay shirt from the Atheist Republic store. Link in the description. Yeah. All right. So because it's because it's Pride Month and we're going to be talking about Islamic blasphemy today, I had to wear this shirt. Good. Fantastic. Perfect. Um can we clap for the first news? Um, let yeah, we can clap because this is the biggest story of our, like the past two weeks. This is huge. Yeah. Yeah, this has been great. Okay. First news. First news: blasphemous remarks by Hindu politician cause diplomatic troubles for India. On June fifth, a BJP national spokesperson, Napur Sharma, and BJP Delhi media head, Naveen Kumar Jindal, were suspended from the party's membership due to offensive comments. Uh, the comments that were found to be offensive to many Muslims in India. Sharma mocked Barak, the flying donkey that carried the Prophet Muhammad, the Quran for describing the world as flat, and pointed out that Muhammad's wife Aisha was nine years old at the time at the time of consummation. Jindal was expelled for a tweet that also allegedly insulted the Prophet. I haven't seen the tweet because it was like deleted. Um, the word of these former, well, now former BJP members stirred an international backlash from the Muslim world and a diplomatic crisis for India. The state of Qatar called on the Indian government to immediately condemn these remarks and demanded a public apology to all Muslims. Superstores in Kuwait removed Indian products from their shelves. The Organization of Islamic Cooperation, the second largest intergovernmental organization globally after the United Nations, with a 57-nation membership also added to the condemnation. Over a dozen countries have summoned the, their 
their Indian diplomatic representation in their nation and admonished them for the comment. And it, it went so far that Al-Qaeda in the Indian subcontinent released a letter warning of um, uh, self-explosions. I'm using coded language for YouTube. Uh, Self-boom-boom. What? Self-boom-boom. Yeah, self-boom-boom. <laughs> They warned and threatened self-boom-boom in <laughs> Delhi, Mumbai, Uttar Pradesh, and Jugrat to, quote, fight for the honor of the prophet, according to the Indian Express. Police have booked both Sharma and Jindal for their comments, and they face charges of, in, quote, inciting people on divisive lines. Okay. So. Okay. Like, Where, there is so much to get. I need, like, a moment to speak to camera. Like, okay. there is so much to get into here. Like, I know I'm going to miss stuff, but there's so much that this evolved snowballed into. Like, I don't even know where to start. So, obviously, we were not here last week because I was having surgery. So, I first saw this news kind of come onto my radar because this BJP spokeswoman made these comments. So, let me give you more context for that first. Um So, what happened was, is that she was on like nightly television in India on the Times Now channel, which is one of the most watched channels in India. And they were having a discussion about, this is a larger story about how there's all this controversy right now about if this historical site is a fountain or if it's in fact a Shiva Lingam. And if it's a Shiva Lingam, like do the Hindus basically get to take ownership of it, even though sometimes these things are found within mosques, you know, so there, so it's like a, almost a, it's like a debate over like kind of Hindu encroachment into Muslim spaces in many cases. There's other details, but that's like a very broad summary. Anyways, so apparently on this news channel or on this in this program, someone like insulted the Shiva Lingam or she was this spokesperson was responding to the general insult to the Shiva Lingam. And she's like, oh, well, if you can say these things, then I can also poke you back. I can say things like, well, and then she proceeded to say it not in English, so I can't give a verbatim quote, right? But yeah, basically talking about how stupid it is that there is Barack, the flying donkey, like mocking the Quran for talk, promoting flat earth. Um, and of course, talking about the um, questionable attraction, to say the very least, of the Prophet Muhammad to his um, extremely underage wife, Aisha. And... So this is what first caught my attention. This was big news. And we were going to cover this anyways. And then throughout the following two weeks, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Like first there was kind of, um, there was domestic outrage because a very famous fact checker, his name was Muhammad Zubair. Um, he posted a clip of this speech or not the speech, but the cl a clip of the news segment to his Twitter. And he has a huge audience. And this clip got millions of views. And the caption was something along the lines of like, this is the kind of like bigoted hate speech that is allowed to just become a normal part of Indian televised news. Like kind of trying to talk about the climate of in the, the fever pitch of the type of inflammatory and inciting speech that was just on Indian news channels 24 seven. And so this is, that's what amplified this incident. 
and then it just it just got crazy from there. Um, this is when suddenly other nations started to notice. Qatar has taken one of the most major stances against um, India. This is all of the Gulf, the Persian Gulf nations have come out against this. Um, And this is a huge problem (laughs) because the Persian Gulf countries, I believe, represent a majority of how India actually gets its um, oil and energy. And um, not to mention the fact that I think it was with UAE and Qatar alone, India has like a $9 billion relationship within the past, like trade, $9 billion worth of trade, like within the past two years alone. Like these are extremely important economic and international partners. And um, so this, like I said, there's been international calls to boycott Indian goods. I've seen a lot of stuff floating around social media about people open, like Arabs saying that they just fired their Indian worker you know, they're Indian overseas workers simply from being Indian. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, like it gets bad. Okay. Let me take a moment to pause and say that like everyone in this story is acting trashy. Like everyone, everyone is acting trashy. Like there's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, I have, like, I could tear every side of this story, like a new asshole. (laughs) Okay. So let's, Okay, I need to lay out more facts before I can start tearing into people. (laughs) But there's so much to get into. I'm like so overwhelmed. Okay. So not only this happened, um, uh, wait, let me pause and collect my thoughts. So there was Qatar, yeah, um, calls for boycott. Um, and then the diplomatic summons started coming in. So I believe that there have been 21 countries that have summoned their the 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 Indian diplomatic presence in their nation they've summoned that presence to like basically answer for this comment like to yeah to to face the consequences for this comment um uh not only that but like i said the organization of islamic cooperation which has a 57 member nation membership also added to the condemnation. Um, and, uh, there, I read this article in the, uh, the time and it was so snarky. It was basically saying if, (laughs) you know, you have managed to execute something spectacular, and once in a lifetime when all of these Gulf countries are lecturing you about a religious tolerance. It's like, how, what have you managed to pull off to be able to get that kind of reaction from, you know, these people with not the best track record. Um, they're, uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause for right there before I just keep going off. Armin, what is your initial yeah. reaction to all of this stuff? My initial reaction is that what where is this unity among these? As first of all, it's, it's not just Arab countries because Iran is also joining them, right? Um, but where is all this condemnation and unity when we need them 
to call out the human rights violations of Chi the CCP against Chinese Muslims, and also actually in India, when actual oppression and actual discrimination is happening against Muslims. This is what you pick? This is when you want tolerance? When people exactly. are just stating facts about your religion? Like you want to be like, you want to protect Muhammad, you know, Muhammad's flying donkey instead of protecting actual Muslims? Like they could be lynching Muslims in India and these people don't give a crap. But when somebody says something about Muhammad's flying donkey, that's when you lose your mind. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. this is, you know, this is why, oh yeah, yeah, be tolerant, be tolerant. This is the type of tolerance you want? Ideas over people. And I don't get like all the other people like who are not involved in the story, like liberals and leftists and so other people are like, oh yeah, this is like, you know, intolerant. You know, we need to be accepting of each other. Like, where were all these people when actual Muslims were being attacked? Muslim ideas, Islamic ideas matter to you than Muslim bodies? Like, I don't understand. Like, what are people's priorities? And again, this is not just about like, I know we're making fun of like, Hindus and Muslims here, okay? Because like, look, oh my God, look at their priorities. But atheists as well, like people who are not even religious. They're like, oh my God, this, she's being intolerant. She she was being a bigot before. This is not this is not an example of her bigotry, okay? Like you, when she was actually being bigoted, none of you give a crap. But now, when she's talking about Muhammad, Muhammad is the one that you want to protect. Yes, it makes no sense. Yeah, so that's, Armin, yes, this is exactly what I'm talking about. So this is one, one, so how I said everyone is acting trashy, that's exactly what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> like, if you go into the show notes for this story, you'll see that I have something to show for this. That, like, perfect, perfectly demonstrates what you're saying. Um, yeah, like, more people care about insult to the Prophet Muhammad than the systematic systematic <laughs> oppression and brutal brutalization of Indian minorities, particularly Indian Muslims. And here is a perfect example of this. I pulled this image from Al Jazeera. This is from the recent protests. I'm not exactly sure where this photo was taken. Okay, but it shows two men holding a sign and it says, kill us, kill us, but don't dare say anything about our beloved Prophet Muhammad. Prophet Muhammad is our pride. Like, I didn't think that anyone would make it this obvious. This is insane to me. Literally saying, kill us, but don't say anything about Prophet Muhammad. And holding this up as something to be proud of. Like, this goes to show that this is, this is a global sentiment that people have. And it was so viscerally demonstrated through this whole fiasco it's outrageous um it's and this comes from this, this comes from people on so many different levels so um there is a uh, a muslim figure in america who's very famous and very influential his name is omar Suleiman. armin you're familiar with omar Suleiman, right um, I have to see faces to remember who people are. I'm not good. With okay, you know who he is. Trust me, you do, you do, you do. So he wrote this piece in religionnews.com that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
he, guy, okay, I have to the read guy a who quote did, from this. The guy who did the Shirky thing, with the, the guy in charge of, what was the organization? Was it? Um, Yakin Institute. Yakin Institute. See, I'm, I, I okay. have to see their faces, yeah. Yeah. So here's a quote from what he wrote about this incident, because I figured, oh, maybe the commentary would be a little bit different from, a, you know, an American Muslim scholar. OK, well, let's see. Quote, somehow all that changed this past week when Nupur Sharma, the BJP's national spokesperson, crudely insulted the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, on Indian national TV. Qatar quickly issued condemnation, followed by Saudi Arabia, Malaysia and many other Muslim countries, several of which overcame long and bitter disputes with another to confront a global superpower. The solidarity is refreshing and long overdue. Wait, wait, say, say that again. He's like, th this reaction is was long overdue. He's Qatar like encouraging. quickly issued a condemnation followed by Saudi Arabia, Malaysia, and many other Muslim nations, several of which overcame, overcame long and bitter disputes with one another to confront a global superpower. The solidarity is refreshing and you long overdue. You know what? Okay, 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 okay. You know what? You guys are being ridiculous over Muhammad, okay? I can't help. Um, that's what you do. But how about this? How about instead of, like, we? I, I, I want to do a small ask, okay? I'm not going to ask you to not get so butthurt over Muhammad's flying donkey, okay? And over the fact that we're pointing out that Muhammad, like, you're getting offended over the fact that we're po uh, pointing out that Muhammad abused the child, but you don't care about the child. Okay, you know what? These we're just, just pointing facts. out the fact that we're the just, Quran teaches. We're just pointing out your religion. We're just reading out what, like, what's in your religion. Like, we're, like, are you denying that that's in your religion? Okay. So mere pointing to facts about your religion gets you all united. And you're so proud of this unity, okay? How about, how about instead of like, you know, we want, we want you to be adults and not get so butthurt over these things. But that I know that's too much of an ask. How about now that you have practiced this level of unity, over condemning something, we ask you to also do it for calling out China, for the C calling out the CCP. Is that is that is that possible? Like you, you see, you you guys are able to agree on something and you know unite over fighting this great evil of a lady speaking about your prophet. Okay, do the same thing and get united over the CCP. Is that too much of an ask? Do you think that's too much of an ask? Susie? Apparently. Apparently. Um, okay, here's a really good quote. So this is from the article that was published in the Times. Um, quote, with Modi's back-to-back -back election victories, the party has doubled down on its majoritarian project. From calls for genocide and anti-Muslim pop to dog-whistling uh, by television anchors and name-calling by BJP leaders, the hate speech is everywhere. The party incentivizes hate and those with the talent of spreading it, which shows how Sharma and Jindal rose in the organization. It takes considerable talent to be called, quote unquote, fanatics by Afghanistan's Taliban government. The Taliban called these offending spokespeople <laughs> fanatics. Mm. Um High on propaganda about Modi's supposed invincibility and India's rise to even greater heights under his steely guidance, his supporters cannot fathom why the mighty Modi has to sacrifice his lieutenants to please a bunch of Muslim countries. Tweets demanding a war on Qatar and its economic boycott have gone viral. 
Hashtags like hashtag shame on BJP have been trending in recent days with the party's own supporters breathing fire at what they see as Modi's cowardice. So that's like, that's the other really interesting angle of this is seeing the BJP freaking not even bend the knee, like full, like dive in, dive into the kowtow, like (laughs) to try to calm the situation down. And then their supporters back home are going like, what the hell? You guys are supposed to be our like lions of Hinduism. Like, wait, so this is the meme that I posted. (laughs) I wanted to put in the article because I feel like this meme is so true. (laughs) (laughs) so um for those who are listening i will describe the meme so the meme is it says bjp in front of indian muslims and it's like the old guy from squid games and he's standing there looking all cocky like yeah and then it's like bjp in front of arabs it's the old man sitting hugging his knees just looking like a literal shell of a human being um PK is saying it's the best meme. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there are just so many. There's so, I mean, there's so many different aspects to this news that I still could get into. So here's a little bit more. The expectations of Modi's admir- admirers are divorced from India's economic and strategic compulsions. The six Persian Gulf countries, namely Bahrain, Kuwait, Qatar, Oman, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE, alone account for 15% of India's global trade, supply a third a third of its fuel needs, and employ 9 million Indians whose wires who who wires home accounts th- sorry, they account for 65% of annual India's annual remittances of more than 80 billion. So this is an extremely important relationship for them to maintain on the international stage and this, 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 I mean, this is just like really caused a lot of damage. There was even commentary from Al-Azhar University. Egypt's Al-Azhar Mosque called the BJP spokesperson's remark, the quote unquote, the real terrorism capable of plunging the world into deadly wars. We're saying terrorism because YouTube is sensitive, but yeah, go on. The Grand Mufti of Oman termed the BJP's quote-unquote obscene rudeness towards Islam as a form of war and launched a boycott of Indian goods. Uh, By the way, we've got a new member, Vish. Oh my uh, goodness, Vishwa Kumar. Thank you for becoming a member. Welcome to Satan's Minions. By the way, I think this is what happens when you try to feed the radicals as a way to become more popular, right? Because the radicals will never have enough radicalism, right? So Modi is like, mm. guys, this is like, we can't do, we, we this internet, you know, when it's, okay, so what, what the, Modi has to tell the Hindutvas, okay, the Hindutva people is like, I know you guys, you know, I know, I don't want to say it because you two might think I'm saying it, okay? I know we're against Muslims, okay? But this is, we own these Muslims. These Muslims are Indian citizens. So we could get away with doing whatever we want with them, okay? Nobody could come at us, okay? But but these Muslims, these other Muslims, <laughs> right? They're not, they are, they are, we kind of meet them. This is kind of, this is international relationships and all that, right? Um, We're beholden to them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> India, 
India is trying to become a major trading power, a superpower, a political power across the world. And these are major countries. We cannot treat these Muslims the way we treat our Muslims. You have to understand, like, can you keep your radicalism within the borders? I'll protect you if you go after our Muslims, but not these other Muslims. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so, no, but when, this is what happens when you feed into radicalism. Eventually, it comes and eats you. Hey, Modi is learning what the Saudis learn, okay? Because the Saudis, like, fed into radicalism. They started spreading Wahhabism everywhere. And then now Al-Qaeda and ISIS is coming after them. And like, oh, crap. Actually, like, it's never going to be enough. Like, they're not going to, at some point, they're going to out-radical you, right? So Modi is like, actually, uh, Imran Khan has also realized. Imran Khan, Modi, the House of Saud, they're all realizing that if you fe feed radicals, the radicals will eventually come after you and out-radical you. So, yeah, this is what you get. Yeah, I think... Oh my gosh. I mean, it just really goes to show like, okay, so now all of a sudden party leadership or the main, the, the party line is, oh, this was fringe. This was fringe. This was fringe. This was a national spokesperson of the party, right? Like if that's fringe, then every, sp watch the rhetoric, then every spokesperson from the BJP is fringe. Who's fringe anymore? And I would like, okay, here's some real tea. Okay. We need to talk about what prompted this action and compare priorities. Okay, for just for a quick second. Let us let us think back to to earlier. It actually the very the very end of last year, you know? Okay. Y many of you will remember the infamous hate speeches calling openly for genocide against Indian Muslims in Hardivar and New Delhi. And you will remember that there were party officials at these events seen either supporting these events. They were very obviously involved and like their, their attendance was advertised, right? So the stamp of approval is there. And this was met with like complete silence from the party. Like calling, calling for the mass murder of your own citizens. Okay? Okay. No punishment from the party. No punishment from the party. But this lady goes on TV and says this stuff about Prophet Muhammad and enough <laughs> Muslim nations come after them and they are suddenly issuing directives to all of their representatives saying, don't talk about religion. You have to be very careful about what you say. We are not, we completely oppose the insulting of any religious figures. Like they're shaking in their boots. They actually expelled people from the party. They, they diminished them in their role. Over comments about a dude that died hundreds and hundreds of years ago, right? Yeah. But for calling for violence against your fellow citizens, many of which you're mm. supposed to be a legislator or representing, like, mm. nothing. Yeah. By the way, by the way, um, this is not just um, Muslim Islamic politicians that are um, hypocrites about calling out, not calling out what actually matters, right? Um, if you look at like on YouTube, for example, um, there is a lot more reactions to this from like, you know, as Muslim YouTubers than 
actual, you know, calls for genocide or actual real harm against Muslims or even like putting, I don't know, more than a million Muslims in concentration camps. Okay. I mean, it does get a reaction, but the reaction to something like this is so much more. Right. I just don't understand. Like, where were you? Where are, where are you guys when, when, when we actually need you? I know. Within the past I mean, two I think- weeks, there was a young Muslim man that was tortured by the police. I don't even know if I can describe how he was tortured. Because mm. it's so graphic. But basically... By the way... Oh, yeah. I, I can't... I don't even know if I should get into it. But it's so bad. No one, like, one of our who's news? marching for him? Where are the hundreds and hundreds of people marching for this yeah. man who now has seizures because of how he was tortured with electricity? Like... nowhere like it's ridiculous can we cover that can we cover that i thought about covering it but there's not so far i haven't found like enough to fit into like a whole story so i just wanted Mm -hmm. to like fit it in here but just for comparison's sake like where i don't know it drives me crazy and in terms of okay so let's back up for a second about this woman that most of the vitriol that's being directed is against the woman who was on TV, less so with the um, media guy who tweeted other things. Like the violence that's being directed towards her is also abhorrent. It's really, really bad. It's really, really bad. She, her life is in danger. Like, let's be clear. Um, and the like i can only imagine like the sheer level of toxicity that she's going through right now because i've had to go through that kind of thing but like not on the level that she's going through it must be horrific so she doesn't deserve to be threatened like that she doesn't deserve to the just the i i know exactly what it's like this severely graphic nature of the threats of the people are being directed towards you and your own family it's horrible it's traumatizing um do i think that it was super inappropriate for her to do that on tv like yeah i don't think that's i mean obviously obviously i don't have a problem with like blasphemy against islam but do i think that it's like responsible for a spokesperson of a party to go on tv and say that kind of thing like no that's not how you should act um what was he no no wait was she doing that as her as a politician or as a in her okay Yes. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. As much as I agree with the things that she said at that point, I think like maybe politicians should not talk about religion that, in that, you know. It's, I mean, like, even if you were like, oh, we politicians should or should not even talk about religion at all, like it's just not smart from a political perspective to act in that way, from like an etiquette yeah. perspective, from a backlash perspective. It's, you know, um, and I also have a issue with her because these, comments are coming out of a genuine wish to denigrate a specific community. Like when I engage in this kind of like blasphemous behavior, like for me, I, it's from a position of like wanting to promote like free expression and challenge norms and challenge taboos. But this was like genuinely meant to insult and denigrate a community like she says it she's basically said so too she was like i would like you're going to be insulting something i hold dear like i'm going to do the same like that's it's not professional one <laughs> two she has a history of bigotry as well so like i'm not too fond of her anyways but 
just also like as a woman who's gone gone through this kind of thing like i know how horrific like that experience can be um yeah okay yeah Um, uh, i mean so okay here's the thing this news has evolved even further like there have been um there's been a lot of violence that's happened across india because of this but that was so large that like we just had to get this part out first and we're going to talk about some of the violence that happened like people are dying over this at this point um but we're going to talk about that next week Oh, and so this story continues. Oh, this story continues in a big way. Like, there have been oh children that have been killed over this. Jesus. Seriously? Yeah, there was a 14-year-old that was shot. Like, today. Or yesterday. Okay. All right, well, let's keep it. Okay. Oh, my God. Jesus, I don't even know how to react yeah. to right now. Yeah, so, needless to say, we are not done talking about this topic. Uh, this will continue to come up because the implications of this are huge and um, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. Um, I think that once this kind of specter of the insult of the prophet disappears, then all of these countries will go back to not caring at all about Indian Muslims. They'll go back to their commerce with India. They won't care at all about like, yeah. So, all right. Well, this will continue. We'll co- we'll continue covering this in uh, next week. But let's go to the next news because we already spent thirty minutes on this one. Um, can we clap for the next news? I told you I was going to talk about this one for like forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, we we can clap for the next news. All right, next news. Next news: Love Jihad conspiracy theory disproven by new government data. In a recent study by the Indian national government demystified the narrative of quote unquote love, love jihad peddled by Hindutva figureheads. Part of ha! the so- we told yeah. like can we say we told you so? is it too early right now to, in the, for us to say we told you so? Well, so let many me tell people- you what we learned and then you can say okay. I told you so. Okay, fine. Part of the so-called love jihad conspiracy theory involves the idea that the Hindu majority status in India is threatened due to higher birth rate um, birth rates among Indian Muslims. According to this conspiracy theory, once Muslims become the dominant demographic in the country, they will turn India into an Islamic nation. However, recent data published by India's Ministry of Health and Family Welfare debunks this narrative. According to the recent release of the National Family Health Survey, or NFHS, which covered 2019 to 2021, the Muslim fertility rate has declined in the last six years. Although the figure published by the NFHS indicates that Muslim birth rates in India are higher than the national average, the trend shows that the number is steadily declining. According to Pew Research in 2021, although the birth rates across different religion gr- religious groups in India are declining, the number of Muslim children born is falling faster than the number of Hindus. Uh, Shahabuddin Yaqub Qureshi, the former chief election commissioner of India, said in his book called the population myth, quote, it's clear as daylight. The idea that Muslims will become India's biggest community is a total hoax. 
Okay, so w w demographically, the Hindus first. Okay, so can I now say I told you so? Is that what the time? Yes, you can. Okay, thank you. I told you so. Like, okay. By the way, this tells you that people <laughs> in the live chat they keep telling us like, no Armin, no Susie, you don't understand. We're in India. We're Indian. You're wrong. We're saying this underground. We live here, so you don't talk about things that you don't understand. Guess what? Even though you're there, even though we're here, we understand India better than you, even though you're India. So congratulations. We understand your country more than you do. All right. So there's that. Um, <laughs> oh my God. So there. Here's I just had to. I just had to add this. But okay, but but this does this study by this study, did the um Hindus are going to take over India when? Completely? So, okay, so the infamous Yati uh, Narsinghanand, he was the really infamous hate preacher, like toxic, hateful priest that got arrested in, um, for his hate speeches calling for genocide. So here, here's an example of this kind of attitude. Here's a quote from him. Um, uh, Yati Narsinghanand, had a stark warning for India's 1 billion Hindus, produce more children or prepare to live in an Islamic state. Quote, the way their Muslims population is increasing, there will be a Muslim prime minister in 2029, declared the extremist priest at a religious conclave last month. Once that happens, 50% of Hindus will have to undergo religious conversion and 40% will be killed. That's what he thinks. Yeah. So, like, they're worried that this is happening at such a rate that they'll, they'll like, takeover is imminent. Like, it's coming, like, 2029, according to this guy. Right. Um, so, okay, with regards to that, Oxymoron is saying, how does this disprove love jihad? Uh, not are the organized attempts of love jihad or not? Okay, and then PK, I don't know how, I don't think well, that sentence was. Well, let me say, PK is saying Love Jihad really doesn't exist, though there can be a few cases. Yes, the conspiracy, I, yeah, the, go on, you go. So part of Love Jihad is like, there's like two flavors to it, I've noticed. One is kind of like the, oh, there's this, you know, they're coming after Hindu girls and then they're going to co-opt them into Islam and then force them to have all these Muslim babies. But it it feeds into a, the other flavor of it and they kind of blend together is basically like this replacement theory. No, that so, is, no, 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 hold on. Um, the love jihad conspiracy theory is that there's a replacement theory happening, okay? Because if people, when you, t when you tell people, well, that's ridiculous, that's not happening, okay? They come like, well, here's some examples. I mean, what do you mean here are some examples? It's a country of a billion people. I'm sure everything is happening. I'm sure the most random thing that you can't think, imagine uh, that is happening. If I, I'm pretty sure you're going to find an example of it happening somewhere in India. Of course, there's going to be examples for whatever thing, whatever you want to come up with. Okay, um, we're talking about love jihad is a conspiracy that this is happening to the point where demographics are changing and there's an active, um, you know, conspiracy to ch to change the demographics of Indo India in a massive way that you know, that replaces India, Indians, Hindus with Muslims to the point where even a Muslim is going to be the prime minister or something like that. That's what they're, that's what we're talking about. And that's obviously ridiculous. That's the love jihad conspiracy. Not that, oh yeah, there, there was this one event somewhere over there, or there's another event somewhere over there. Okay. So like, yeah. 
That's the conspiracy. They're there are aspects of it that are distinct, but they have the general blend, a general flavor or emphasis on demographic engineering, demographic demographic yeah. shifting, demographic replacement. This is one thing that's in common. So let me give you some more statistics. The latest National Family Health Survey shows that the Muslim fertility rate dropped the most among all communities between 2015 through 2016 and 2019 through 2020, and now stands at 2.36, almost half of the figure, 4.4, from three decades ago. The rates have dropped almost in, by half in the past 30 years. Well, that it is still the um well, that is still the highest among all religions in India, the gap between it and the Hindu fertility rate, 1.94 is shrinking. Hindus, you're catching up. <laughs> Um, the latest statistics corroborate findings from the Pew Research Center last September based on older data. Um, there was another piece of stats that I wanted to find. Um, yeah, I just thought that this was very interesting. And one thing that's important to note is that part of this is because modern contraception of use among Muslims has increased dramatically. Um, uh, 66% of Muslims use like birth control of some kind now. Um, and when it came to um, the big disease that was going around, like the WHO had this massive report that exposed how um, well, they believe that 4 million more Indians died than what the government reported. There's a very obvious cover-up going on of the government. And, you know, so the the Indian government shot back at the WHO trying to discredit them and all this stuff. But this is going to be a lot harder to shrug off and disprove, given that this is coming from your own ministry. You know? Um, and... But do I think this narrative is going to go away? Of course not. Of course not. It's very politically convenient. They need it. Um, Oxymoron is saying rate drop does not mean the rates are lower to catch up. I don't know. I think your sentences are not structured in a way lower to catch up. I don't know what the sentence means. I don't do you understand. understand? Yeah. Okay. I think maybe fix the grammar before you post it so we could understand what you're saying. Um, oh, here, PK saying, yeah, um, the TFR is still higher, but to be uh, to be fair, it's conver converging with other groups. Okay, guys, like you don't understand. Yeah, if the rate is dropping, that means things are trending in the wrong direction that a great replacement theory would suggest. Okay? We're not saying that the great rates... Uh, yeah, the rates might still be lower than the other ones, right? But the conspiracy theory would not make any sense if it's moving in the wrong direction. That's the point, right? Anyways, um, okay. Can we clap for the next news? Um, so let's clap not because we like this but because it's important to talk about how about that we don't like this but it's still important to talk about <laughs> okay okay um 
<laughs> Next news. Anti-caste activists talk at Google canceled after employees get doxxed. A talk on casteism and caste equity at Google was canceled due to pressure from employees who claimed their lives were at risk if anti-caste activist uh, Thanmosi Saundararajan uh, was permitted to speak. Saundararajan is the founder and executive director of Equality Labs, a nonprofit advocating for lower caste individuals, specifically Dalit rights. She had previously given a similar similar talks at companies like Microsoft, Microsoft, Salesforce, Airbnb, Netflix, and Adobe employees. Um, the Washington Post reported that uh, mass emails were sent to Google employees through the company intranet, calling Soundararajan quote Hindu phobic and anti-Hindu. The deplatforming of Soundararajan led Tanu. Tanuja Gupta, a senior manager at Google News who invited Sandararajan to speak, to resign in protest. Regarding the cancellation, Sandararajan stated, quote, I cannot find the words to express just how traumatic and discriminatory Google's employees were towards its employees and myself, as the company unlawfully canceled a talk about mm -hmm. caste equity. Many employees who organized the original talk or protested the cancellation have faced mass harassment and doxing campaigns. Doxing is the practice of exposing identifying information, such as like your, the target's home address on the internet. Sandararajan reported that she even had to move her family to a safe house because of the gravity of threats against them. Okay, people in the... Okay, I, I was wondering if she was like a good anti-caste activist okay but people in the live chat are saying that she's actually a bigot like not not just not because she's like i know that like anybody who's who's anti-caste um like gets falsely accused of being a hindu folk but some people are saying like no she's actually a bigot like i don't know do you know anything about that I mean, okay, so they, the there's been like, there's so much hate against this woman. Like, I'm not going to take anyone's freaking in the okay, line. But it's, Bengali, it's a Bengali Hindu. It's our fellow liberal friend. Like, she, like the guy, like, so like, I, it's not like it's one of our, one of the people who don't, doesn't usually say stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, um, mm. I don't know. Like, we, we don't know. So we, we should say we don't know. Okay. I know. Oh, Susie got roboty for me. Is Susie roboty for you guys? Claims Susie. against her. Like it's always just oh, she just. You got caught. Repeat what you said. Repeat what you said. Like I, I've just always seen so much vitriol against her that I, but I haven't seen anything substantive. Okay. What is the substance behind all the these? this vitriol behind her i don't understand it um so people are saying she she has a tendency of hating brahmins just for being one that's what people are saying can i see an example yeah. of that yeah okay no we, we could just say we should we could just say she might be we don't know but Honestly, was that why i'm she... kind of annoyed talking about it because that's detracting from the issue at hand okay okay well, I just wanted to mention, no, no, it's important for us to mention that because we're not just supporting somebody without knowing for sure. So uh, I don't want to just like go in blindly supporting somebody, but yeah, go on. 
Well, no, and I actually am very critical of her in many ways. Like, her, she is very deep into, like, the diversity, equity, inclusion, kind of, like, dogma. That's her whole realm. Like, the language she uses is very woke. Like, she has that kind of lens in analyzing everything and talking about things and pushing a lot of that rhetoric. And a lot of that rhetoric, I really don't like. A lot of concepts Mm. of that, I really don't like. But does she do other incredibly important work, even if it's in language that I don't necessarily like, or in ways of talking and conceptualizing these things that I don't, I I would like it to be different or, you know, like, yes, I do. I do actually have major criticisms of her. Like there are ways that she talks where I'm like, Ooh, that raises a red flag for me, but I'm not going to take away from like the really substantive gains that she has made throughout yeah, okay. her work in activism. Yeah, so um, Forever Stormy is saying she's yeah, basically... Yeah, Forever Stormy is she, She's basically the Rana Ayub of lower castes. She has some problematic positions, but she highlights real problems. For those who don't know, Rana Ayub is an uh, Indian journalist who writes at the Washington Post who um, has a Muslim background and, um, yeah, can, like be a little hyperbolic or I have my criticisms of her as well, but overall she's an excellent writer. Um, so what, what did Google say? Sorry. I might, I might've missed this part. Did Google say why her speech was canceled? Because suddenly they were worried about the amount of division that it was causing within the community. They were saying like, Oh, these topics are like too, too upsetting okay. for our community to talk okay, so about. It wasn't a, it's so causing division. Is- so we can't have it. So this is why you shouldn't tell me that, um, oh, this is getting taking away from the story. No, it's not taking away from the story because I wanted to see if Google has, uh, canceled the event specifically because of her or because of the topic. Okay, but it's because because they they even admit if they're even admitting that it's because of the topic, then Google is being hypocritical. Like they would not they would not even dream of canceling an event like this if it was about raising awareness about I don't know. Black Lives Matter, like on Google, exactly. And like, like they, if it was a black, if it was a Black Lives Matter speech, and then all of a sudden there were some, I don't know, white employees that were like, oh, I don't know, this is making me comf- uncomfortable. Would Google cancel the event, saying like, oh, this is causing more division within our employees? They would be like, they would be canceling the people that they would be like firing the people who are saying that they this is causing division. You know what I mean? They would they would do the opposite. So how come they're bending a knee to Hindu right-wing people while they wouldn't bend the knee to white right-wing people? So that's what the, the hypocrisy is here, right? Yeah, so she literally said that taking like directives or opinions from these people is analogous to taking opinions on anti-racism from the Triple K organization. Obviously, so that's like an example of rhetoric where I'm like, Okay, that's a little generalizing. Like, you don't know everything about the people opposing you. Like, that's a little extreme for me. But, like, okay, I see the comparison you're making. But, oh. Um, If you want to be right-wing, okay, for you to be taken seriously by big corporations, okay, if you want to be, like, a crazy radical uh, right-winger, okay, with really questionable views, make sure you have dark skin colors, okay? Because right-leaning, being like ultra-right, it's only not okay if you're white. But if you want to be far-right, but if you're like brown, then 
that's the kind of far right that Google can get behind. No, okay. So there's so many things I want to talk about. First, okay, let's back up. She has previously given talks at Google before. Her talk that she was going to give at Google was already vetted by the company. The slide deck of the speech that she was going to give was vetted and reviewed by the company and reviewed and approved. Now, however, when this event was announced and it was circulated among um, like South Asian groups within the company, suddenly this campaign of like mass emailing and petitioning against her started. Yeah, like I said, it, in, it even resulted in the employees that organized this to get doxxed or ones that went on to camp protest the cancellation, them getting doxxed. There was um, a person at Google who, in in conversation with, I'm, I know I butchered her name, uh, Sandararajan, uh, basically said, like, oh, did, w- if would you cancel a talk from Kimberly Crenshaw because... There were people who opposed her. For those who don't know, Kimberly Crenshaw is kind of like one of the intellectual godmothers of intersectional theory and anti-racism in that vein. And they were like, oh my God, no, of course not. This person even, so this woman and then the woman who quit in protest, when the senior managers who quit in protest because of this whole fiasco, they ended up in their personal capacity giving the speech online. You know, they're like, we can't give it on Google and we'll just do it on YouTube. So a representative of Google that was speaking to Sandra Ravajan watched that talk and was like, oh, I loved your talk. It was fantastic. Oh, like, okay, so this, yeah. Yeah, and part of the thing is that they, what Sandra Ravajan talks about a lot in her work is that it's difficult in the United States because there's many ways in which Um, companies are not equipped to deal with many cultural issues of South Asia. And so when one person is saying like, oh, I'm facing caste discrimination and another person is saying no, like they just don't have enough knowledge to know how to parse the situation and understand what's going on. And, but she's like, they don't understand caste. They have no experience or knowledge of it. So how are they supposed to be equipped to deal with these issues. We're saying in this case, this isn't applicable at all because Google CEO is an Indian national who coincidentally is a Brahmin, or she points out that he's Brahmin from Tamil Nadu, which has um, the, the, the work of, um, well, the caste oppression in the South of India is particularly pronounced, but also the work of like anti-caste revolutionaries is also extremely culturally important in South India, particularly Tamil Nadu. And so she's saying, you in particular, she appealed to him directly about this whole incident, saying like, are you going to write this wrong? Are you going to allow this to take place? Like that I'm, that you're going to allow this treatment of me basically. And she's saying, you don't have any excuse saying you don't know how to deal or you don't understand these caste issues given where you were born and raised and also your cast background yourself. What do you think about that? Okay. Do you think it's fair for her well, gonna, his Brahmin status? Yeah, it's unfair. She's kind of like, like she kind of sounds like some of far lefty people 
in the U.S. were like, well, you're white, so you don't understand. You know, I mean, like it sounds like that a little bit. But before I uh, no, tell she's you, it's uh, opposite. She's saying you're upper caste, so you understand perfectly. Mm, yeah, I don't. I don't think you should point to people's caste to blame them for anything. You know what I mean? I I don't think like people don't choose their caste. Uh, so because they don't choose their caste, I don't think like you, you, you could, they're inherently you can condemn them or for anything. Like I think like at some point we have to start protecting like Brahmins from discrimination because you don't choose to be a Brahmin. So I think like just like this over there could be an overcorrection. Just like you know we have racism against black people, but some people go as far as like all of a sudden condemning people for being white. I think at some point we also need to make it clear here, like, hey, guys, we're not anti-Brahmin, okay? Like, we think the caste system in entirety is ridiculous, okay? If somebody has, you know, um, given you the caste of Brahmin, you didn't pick that upon yourself, so you shouldn't blame people for that. So I think, like... No, I agree. Might, um, yeah. I think... Yeah. But let There's me read before so you many... continue. I I just want to read this because the person might uh, go go away. I want to make sure we don't lose this donation. Okay, so um, Mechi Ru is saying I tried donating using Patreon and the fundraiser button, but both are both aren't allowed here. Longtime listener and love what you do. Keep up the good fight. Well, okay, so there's also a PayPal option. So if you want to use that, that would be very helpful. But thank you so much for at least making an attempt to help us out but yeah go on sorry I, I i just want to highlight that um i think like in my effort to just like explain the details of this story i don't know how what i want to say there's just so much that like needs to get out about this this sent me down a wormhole of looking into stories of um casteism within silicon valley or within the tech industry at large and i think it is a serious problem that needs to be addressed like really substantively i think there are a lot of conversations that need to be had more openly and more willingly within the tech space about this issue and it was interesting what you brought up earlier because in these articles i'm reading about this issue is that people constantly talk about how they have this experience of when they try to approach a superior about caste discrimination that they faced, the person who was previously using slurs against them will then go back and say, you're being racist towards me for like asking these questions about why you insulted this person. Like, so people can use um, like left-leaning sensitivities like as a shield to protect themselves yeah. while they're denigrating other people all other colleagues um it's a huge issue and i don't think most companies are equipped to deal with this because like i said like it's just um it's it's not a culture that they're familiar with but what's also interesting is that these companies have workers in india like google has a whole like department or presence in india and in india you have cast as a protected category and anti-discrimination policies, but you come over to the United States and they don't have it. So these workers, as they go back and forth on visas, they have different levels of protection available to them. The company has, it, it's like two faces. They have, it, it's really complex and it's, it's, there's not cohesion across the 
protections that workers have in, in this vein of discrimination across continents. I, I just imagine like the people, some higher ups in Google, like, I don't know what to do. They're all brown. I can't take a position against any of them. <laughs> like, well, like, wait, what? You seem confused. Oh, nothing. We need a, we need a poo is saying, uh, from what I read, she seems crazy. She accuses, accused Sundar Pichai of Brahmanism, assumed some other dude to be Brahmin and accuse him of Brahmanism. She does. The CEO okay. of Twitter to be Brahmin, who needs actually, I believe, from a Muslim background. Okay, yeah, she's that. Okay, so, you know, we could at the same time, like, it's good that somebody is bringing attention against, uh, you know, the caste system and all of that. So that's a good thing. And the fact that she's an anti caste uh, activist, that's a good thing. But also, maybe if she is like a, Going around, I'm like, oh, you're a Brahmin, you're a Brahmin. Like, okay, we need to, we can criticize her and also think that she might be doing some good at the same time. I don't know. Like, we have to look into that, right? But that's crazy. Like, don't, don't accuse yeah. people of being Brahmin. Like, that, that's not good. Um, I think, um, yeah, there's, there's like, I don't, there's a lot of ways that she talks about things that I don't like, but she has legitimately contributed to a lot of important victories to the Dalit American community. Um, so I try to weigh those. And she's also a very good speaker. Like she really, even though I don't like the language she uses or the, her, her kind of rhetoric and narrative, like even I was like, you're pulling on my heartstrings, you know, <laughs> like that's an effective activist right there. <laughs> um, Stormy is saying there's a major difference between caste and race. Caste is theological social construct. The Brahmins in India can simply get together and declare that caste is finished since they are the priests and they will never, but they will never do that. Whites just can't declare an end to whiteness. Okay, yes. no, that's not true. No, no, that's not true. Okay, um, if you are an individual Brahmin, there's you don't have any power to end this thing. Like, yeah, oh, you can say theoretically all the Brahmins can get together and be like, hey, let's end this cast, you know. But as an individual, like, hey, I'm just like, I, what do I, what do I do? What powers? What <laughs> like, I don't have this button. Like, hey, calling all Brahmins button. <laughs> that is just like makes everybody unite and and you could say as an individual, I'm. You could say like, okay, so if you have been assigned the Brahmin caste by birth, you could be like, well, I think that's stupid, okay? As an individual, like, I don't believe in caste. I think this thing that this, they have pushed upon me makes any sense. I don't even recognize this whole Brahmin thing, okay? But you don't have the, as an individual, you don't have a power to just end this institution, okay? So we have to judge people individually, not what potentially they could have done if and hypothetically they all got together, okay? So I think our expectation from an individual should be like, uh, do you believe in the caste system? And if the individual says no, then that's good enough. I'm, I can't blame them for the society that deems them to be a Brahmin. Like he didn't pick it, and he or she. Um, I just noticed that Eric in the live chat is correcting how I pronounce Tamil names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been try he's trying to he's it, been trying to get your attention for a while. I, I didn't interrupt you, but go on. It's pronounced th and then gives me an example as in the Polish 
Paweta the I don't know how to speak Polish. What kind of a yeah. what kind of a learning tool is that? As in, oh, everyone knows the the Polish Pawet Pawet. What? <laughs> Let me fix you in the, uh, your in the, your you know Indian pronunciation by by using Polish. I'm, I'm sure you understand <laughs> like, Polish. Excuse I, me. <laughs> Eric, you're being racist. Not all white people are the same. Just because Susanna is white, that doesn't mean she understands every European language, okay? Sound Sound Ara Rajan. Was that better? Sound okay. Ara Rajan. I hope that was better. God help me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like how Eric I is looking you know all this uproar over insults of the prophet muhammad i think the real insult is how i butcher every indian language hey you do but you, oh better you do better than most people so i don't know why people why does it have to be perfect as long as the you only, understand what's happening i have zero idea how any of the phonetic systems work so i just look at a name and do my best i break it up like it's japanese because that's my only frame of reference is learning japanese mm. it doesn't work it doesn't work okay it doesn't work uh okay let's go to the next news can we clap for the next news um oh no this is this is really this is really shitty okay next news Next news. In the wake of mass school shootings, politicians blame atheism. So guys, before I get into this news, I'm going to be talking about some things that YouTube really, really hates. So please like this because I'm using some big words that trigger the algorithm. Ah, and Watcher just became a YouTube member. Thank you so much. Welcome to Saints Thank Minions. You. Okay. Thank Anyways, you. next news. In the wake of mass school shootings, politicians blame atheism. A day after the terrible and deadly tragedy at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas, that claimed the lives of 21 people, several Republican legislators lamented the disaster and attempted to explain the cause of the shooting, attributing it to anything except the accessibility of deadly weapons. Senator Rick Gray blamed godlessness, stating, quote, we've been teaching our children that there is no God. Texas Lieutenant... Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick also blamed a lack of religion, declaring, we have devalued life in this country. We threw out God in school. Wisconsin's representative, Senator Ron Johnson, blamed, quote, wokeness when he declared, quote, we're indoctrinating our children with things like CRT, meaning critical race theory, telling some children they're not equal to others and they're the cause of other people's problems. He also extended the blame to, quote, the secularization of society and the loss of faith. On May 31st, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, or FFRF, released a statement condemning the politicians who blamed the Texas school shooting on, quote, atheism, irreligiosity, or lack of faith, and also publicized the strongly worded letters that they sent to each of the offending legislators. How is atheism devaluing life? Isn't it the opposite? Even isn't it isn't when you think you have endless eternal life, doesn't that devalue life more than like wouldn't the people who think like we have limited amount of time to live make make more every second of life more precious? Like aren't you increasing the value of life when you understand that you have limited amount of it? Yeah. Wouldn't you cherish it more? Wouldn't you try to protect life 
life more when you do, when you understand there's no afterlife so we have to like protect the lives so that they don't end prematurely like isn't it the yeah. opposite isn't it like isn't it like religions who are obsessed with martyrdom and dying for their cause and like kill, taking other people's lives for their cause like i never understood this idea like oh yeah atheism devalues life yeah no <laughs> it's the opposite you guys devalue life yeah, I want to read some of these statements in full because they're so, they're outrageous. So here's um, a bigger, better quote from Senator Rick Gray. The real core issue, and I'll be honest, this may be my bias, but this is just how I see it. For decades, for decades, we've been teaching our children in school, there is no God. You can't pray. You can't even pray on the field. There is no God. There are no absolutes. We live in a postmodern world. So whatever you think is right is right. And if someone else has a different view, you're still right. There are no absolutes. That we're animals and that we're just animals it's survival of the fittest but then we're shocked when they act that out but we say don't act that way these kids and it's usually been kids that are shooting kids in schools what have they been taught friends we have a state religion in the united states of america even though there's supposed to be separation of church and state there is a state religion it's human secularism aka atheism well, I mean, if there is supposed to be a separation of church and state, why are you talking about religion as a is this a politician? Yeah, this yeah. Is who a is this? Like on yeah, the like well, then shut the hell government. up. You're like, if there's supposed to be a separation of church and state, then shut the hell up. Why are you like anti-atheist then? If there's supposed to be a separation of church and state, you can't be, you can't do that as a politician, okay? Um, but also, like, do do people who listen to this who believe it, do they ask, like, okay, can you provide us with evidence that this shooting, like, do is there any, like, do they point to, like, they just make claim. Here's here's what a lot of religious people do. Again, I get hashtag not all. Okay, just they because of their religion, they have their religion just makes claims and it backs it off by nothing. So they just get this is you think like atheism makes us like kill people. Okay, well, you your religion is actually making you come up with claims without backing it up with anything, right? You just think, like, you just put something out there, and people are like, just assume, just, just take it. That's what their followers do. That's what they're... If you're against, athe if you're against atheism, somebody would be like, hey, atheism is rising. People are being, you know, shot in schools. This must be connected. Nobody asks for... The, not that many people ask for verification. Where's that? Where's the... Where's the correlation? Where's the causation? Have you proven the causation? It doesn't really matter. I just said something, and you're just supposed to accept it and take it home. Here's another quote from Lieutenant. I mean, here's Governor. a question. Here's a question. Here's a question. Okay, why do we not have such shootings in the some of the most atheistic countries in the world? Okay, like in Scandinavian countries. Okay. If it's godlessness that is making these shoot, shootings up, like you guys. This is a uniquely American problem, okay? There are more atheistic, there are countries that are way more secular than your country that don't have this problem. Like, is this, it's just so hard to understand. It's just so stupid. I don't even know. I think, like, maybe this is, like, maybe I shouldn't be explaining this because maybe this is ableist. I think these people are too, too, yeah, this is, this might be too much. Maybe maybe these people are so broken in their mind that like I shouldn't be even we should, we're taking this too seriously. This is so obviously ridiculous that I shouldn't be responding to it like this. 
But yeah, yeah so what was really cool is that, I mean, I can um, read the statements from the other politicians in full. So on Fox News, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said, we are in a sick society where we're at each other's throat all the time. Everywhere you look, you uh, whether it's on the internet, whether it's any walk of life, people are just at each other every day. And we have to ask ourselves who we are. And I believe we're a nation of godly people. And godly people need to pray. And then he cited the Bible. And then he said, Christians have to pray for God to heal our land. And we have to take a stand. If there's some people in our country who are not believers, that's fine. I respect their right to not believe. But for those of us who are Christians, we need to take hold of our country. And we do that through prayer. You cannot change the culture of a nation without changing the character of the people. And you cannot change the character of without changing the heart. And you can't do that without turning to God. And... um. Freedom from Religion Foundation your, responded by saying, "Your God literally asks for your God literally asks for genocide in all of his all of his books. What are you guys talking about? It literally demands people to commit genocide in the Bible, in the in the Gita, and in the Quran. You were ridiculous. What are you talking about?" Yeah, so what's awesome about these um, letters that the Freedom From Religion Foundation sent out to these um, government officials, these legislators who made these statements, is that they sent out these detailed letters that not only reprimand them for speaking about constituents in which they are charged with representing, um, speaking of them in such ill will and ill contempt and defaming them, basically, Um and reminding them of their responsibility to represent all of American citizens equally. Um, but also they sent basically like a fact sheet of how the most religious nations are among the most violent, have the most homicides, and then how um, how the social um, determinant factors for less religious nations are so much higher. It's like better places to be a woman, better places to be a mother, more gender equity, not equality, um, less rates of STDs, less rates of violent crime, like all these things. And then it was so funny. You should mention that Armin, because they also cite the Bible in these letters to the representatives saying, here are all the times in which your God has called for or committed mass murder. <laughs> so like, I love how you're like bringing up these points and you haven't even read this. <laughs> like you're on it. <laughs> I think like we're being trolled. You know what I mean? I think like we're being like, what? how could we say the craziest, most ridiculous, hypocritical thing and make people think that we're being serious? Like, the, I think, like, I don't know. The, and these people are politicians. They've been voted. Like, people voted for these idiots. Like, I, I'm just going to make a claim and back it up by nothing. Absolutely nothing. This is obviously an America problem. This is an America problem. So maybe if you're looking for a cause, find it, find something that is uniquely American. If you have a, a uniquely American problem, the cause is uniquely American. Um, yeah, again, so what you're saying, I mean, how many kids did Yahweh kill in Egypt again? I mean, the flood, the Noah's flood, there's also that. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. okay. You want to read this one? This was directed at you. Anonymous Al is saying, at Susanna, don't you think the mastermind behind this can be the Protestant churches? What? What are you talking about? Yeah. 
I don't know. As in like a what concerted conspiracy? I mean, like these are Protestant, like that's in behind what people. I I don't even understand. Yeah, Eric is saying don't ban gun ownership. Gun rights are human rights. Um, no, they're not. And uh, regulate. Gun, I mean, I agree that people sh should be able to. I mean, we're just asking for regulations, okay? But even though I think like maybe they should be able to own guns after they pass a whole bunch of tests and stuff like that with extra regulations. Still, gun rights are not human rights. What are you, not everything that you would like is human rights, okay? There are very few things like, for example, I believe that being able to drive a car is good. Like, you, uh, it, there shouldn't be any laws against people driving cars, okay? But car rights are not human rights. Not everything that you want is all of a sudden a human right, okay? Like, what... Basic human rights for something to become a basic human right, it needs to be it, it, like, for example, the in they're discussing whether the internet should be in, inside that category, but you can't just lump in everything that you like into that category. So, in regulate gun ownership to stop potential troublemakers from getting them, yeah, there should be a lot more regulations. We're not just it, guys, it's, even if you wanted to ban guns in the United States, it's impossible. You cannot just ban all guns in the United States, there's just too many people that have guns, it's impossible. Gun ownership is directly correlated to falling crime. That's a that's a ridiculous. No, that's not that's not the case. Okay, it's it's the opposite. Okay, just look at the Australia. Um. Anyways, people pick and choose, cherry pick with their data. Oh wait, there's a tweet that you wanted me to show. Oh no, it's fine. It was just like a recording of him saying it, but. Okay. Like we've already discussed in full at this point. Yeah. Yeah. PK saying it, it's my God. You know, read this one while I get the next two. <laughs> PK saying it's my God given right to own a bazooka. Freedom. This is why I want you to read them. You make it so much fun. <laughs> you read the. You put so much personality into. <laughs> I do. No, I don't just read it. I do a dramatic reading. Yes, dramatic reading. That's why I want you to read the, the chats. <laughs> okay. All right. Can we clap for the next news? Um, yes, we can. Next news. Next news. New report exposes Hindu, Hindu nationalist influence in the United States. Recently, a report published in the South Asia Citizens Web showed a network of related organizations in the United States responsible for informational campaigns and fundraising. The report mapped the, quote, Hindu nationalist ecosystem in the United States using, quote, data mining of tax records and government filings, public statements, websites, and news reporting. The report said networks of Hindutva organizations that trace their roots to the uh, oh, Rastriya Swayam Savak Sang or RSS in India have been Nailed fueling it. its <laughs> have been fueling its counterpart organization in the United States. Religious minorities have accused the RSS of fostering intolerance and hate. One example was found in the U.S. State uh, Depart the U.S. Department of Justice's filings between 2017 and 2020. It showed that the BJP-led government of India actively lobbied for its interests in the U.S. Congress. According to the report, lobbying groups were paid on average between $15,000 and about $58,000 per month. 
It also revealed that former representative and presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard received at least $110,000 from Hindutva-affiliated organizations and individuals. Hey, that explains a lot. (laughs) The report listed 24 Hindutva organizations in the U.S. with a combined network of more than $97 Tulsi, Tulsi's positions make a lot more sense now. A Democrat, too. Yes. Well, not really, but okay. I mean, that's her party affiliation. Well, not really. I mean, officially, yeah, she's more more of a Republican. I don't know. Didn't she change parties? Because she is, by heart, a Republican. Um, I don't know. But I know that she ran in the Democratic Party. I know, I know election. that. Anyways, you have um, yes. So I, because what I just said right here was like just a snippet. And then I want to dive into some more findings of the report. And I have a nice little graphic to show everyone because I, I read part of the report. One thing that I should note that I think it's important because, you know, responsible media media consumers um, is that this report was not peer reviewed. It hasn't been submitted in any journal um, yeah, so it hasn't gone through the standards of rigor of peer review, which would obviously make this a much more authoritative document. So, you know, just, just, I thought it's important to say that. Um, and so let's get into some more findings from this report. So, um, here is a little graphic that kind of breaks down like, uh, the key findings of this report. So between 2012 and 2020, there were 222 shakas or chapters were held of the Hindu, ah, these words, Swayam Savak Sang or HSS in the United States, impacting more than 45,000 families. So the HSS is the American equivalent of the RSS, for those who don't know. Um, 100 congressional offices were visited by HSS volunteers, coordinated by the Hindu America American Foundation, which... Those of us who follow Atheist Republic will be familiar with the Hindu American Foundation because they were the group that wrote the open letter that said that they were opposed to including um, uh, caste as uh, a protected category and anti-discrimination uh, measures. They, they, they opposed that anti-discrimination measure. Three. 100, over 100 temples participated in the 2017 Hindu Mandir Executive Conference, which is a project of the Vishwa Hindu Parashat of America. The Vishwa Hindu Parashat, or VHP, is another massive, um, like, song or um, Hindu organization. It, 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 the VHP in India has a huge influence. And also it should be noted that a VHP spokesperson filed police reports against Armin because of his, because of his, uh, Kalima blasphemy. So we're very familiar with the VHP over here. Um, over 800 us based Indians were coordinated to travel to India to campaign for Narendra Modi by global Indians for Bharat Vikas in 2014. Over $158 million were spent by seven song-affiliated charities between 2001 to 2019, largely sent to India. So when this report refers to song, they, they, they that's how they refer to Hindutva. Um, 
between 15, oh, I already said that one. Okay. 30, 13 million was pledged to the Dharma Civilization Foundation towards impacting U.S. academic institutions. $142,000 was received by the Hindu American Foundation from the HSS-linked Urobi no Uberoi Foundation, partly towards revising California public school textbooks, which, okay, this report also revealed that over $800,000 of COVID relief funds went towards Hindutva nonprofits. So that means that my tax dollars, my tax dollars are going to the Hindu American Foundation and they use that money to campaign the California Board of Education to not talk about caste oppression and Dalits in school books. It's okay. Wow. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. The the Canada is being taken over by the Sikhs. Okay. And we will come save United States from Hindus once we're fully Sikh. How about that? Oh my God. This yeah. Should be a so war. that was something. That yeah. was something that I learned that my tax dollars are being learned for today. Good. That they're, they're being used for that. Like I was, I was really happy to learn that today. So that was great. Um. <laughs> Um, so secular prayer is saying, yeah, F that nonsense. Um, what else? $172,000 was spent by the Hindu American Foundation's sister group, the Hindu American Political Action Campaign to influence U.S. elections. And $117,000 was received by Congress member Raja Krishna Murthy from HPAC and song affiliated, HAPAC and song affiliated persons. Oh, so this is revenge. Like, this is revenge. He's like, you're you're screwing up with our country. You're like, we'll stop your tax dollars coming for Christian missionaries. Okay, so Susie, you're sending your tax dollars to ruin India with your Christian missionaries. They're just ruining United States by making your tax dollars go to Hinduism. It's just tit for tat. Hey, if we co if we keep going by this, that's rate, cultural that exchange. <laughs> this culture. No, Canada will be Sikh, India will be Christian, United States will be Hindu. Fantastic. Wait, let's zoom in. Yeah, read this. So this was also um a really handy little chart that they made that shows these different organizations and shows how this is kind of like the four categories that things fall into. So this money either goes towards influencing US Congress members and government bodies, and then it names the organizations that did that. Pressuring U.S. boards of education, like I was just talking about. Influencing U.S.-based higher education institutions. So this comes in the form of these organizations having a lot of money, and then they give grants to different educational departments and colleges, basically asking them to emphasize certain things. And it's their effort to saffronize the telling of Indian history by influencing um they're the, the the historical departments and in fact ma many of these um colleges have even like did investigations and been like actually we found out who this money is coming from and we're going to refuse it millions of dollars because they were like no this is a bad agenda um, and hey atheist republic is a non-profit send uh, send your hindutva money to us okay we're making why would so they many... ever do that because we're making their gods look fabulous huh no Oh, 
<laughs> you starting to speak my language. Um, <laughs> it's it's pride. I have to. <laughs> That's right, baby. Pride. Happy pride, um, y'all. <laughs> Oh, um, oxymoron. Hey, actually, they are already doing it. Oxymoron is Hendutva and he is supporting us. So we are getting Hendutva. Actually, true. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Oxymoron. Oxymoron is a representative of Hendutva here in Atheist Republic. The the, the token Hendutva. Um, so, yeah, I thought this report was really interesting. Like I said, I am taking it with a grain of salt because this hasn't gone through the processes of like academic ex examination and rigor um but i read like the the main findings and some of the introduction but i do someday want to take the time to read all 93 pages of it because it was very informative and they flagged multiple instances because this was based on like publicly available documents that they just went through the trouble of going to go attain and they were they flagged multiple instances where they're like i think some of these organizations are involved in illegal or improper behavior with the money that they're using and the way that's being moved in between these groups what was also very interesting is they they found that a ton what i thought was so interesting was that on tracking the money i thought it was gonna it a lot of this report is about Hindutva influence in America, but it's also about America's influence on Hindutva because it talks about the millions and millions of millions of dollars that are sent by these nonprofits to Hindutva orgs in India. Like they're going back if money from America is actually funding these groups in India. So I thought that was so interesting because that was, I was a, really expecting the report to really just be about like the reverse flow of influence. But I was shocked to learn how much is actually the other way around. Okay. Um, Eric is saying America has all kinds of lobby groups, Saudi lobby, Qatar lobby, Turkey lobby, Iran lobby. Uh, there's no India lobby. There's only Hindutva lobby. There's no India lobby. I'm sure there's also an India lobby. No. I mean, so the Indian government has its own lobbies. What I was talking about yeah. in the summary of this news was like how the BJP led government spent that money. Um, I don't fully believe that at all. Like there are millions and millions of Indian Americans with very um, diverse views and influences on this nation. And they definitely have their own lobbies as well. Whether they are representative of the Indian government. I don't know. But there is no one India. There is no one India lobby. That that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, cool. This is this is good. So the more we know about these connections, the more when something comes out, you know, about any one of these groups in the news uh, that we cover them, we could be like, by the way, these people be connected to these people. So it's good to all have the money that Tulsi Gabbard got. I was like. <laughs> hey, how about we hold the Hindu gods hostage? Okay, we're like we'll stop what? our blasphemous art if we get like a million dollars from a, any Hinduitva group that spends <laughs> and gives us a million. We're holding your gods hostage. Okay, we have all your gods collected in the most sexiest ways possible. By the way, for people who are new here, we make blasphemous art of Hindu gods and goddesses. Link in the description. Um, 
But yeah, we'll we'll stop. We'll stop if you provide us with a million dollars. How about that? But the oh, thing wait, is that they like is... it. Oh. <laughs> Bubble is saying, sad to have missed the good part of the show. Two people died today in the profit protest. This stuff be crazy. Bubble, go back to the beginning of the show. We talked about it in depth, and I want your opinion on how I covered it. So please give me your feedback. Message me, girl. It's good to see you. Anyways. <laughs> wait, wait. Um... Okay, and also this one, Oxymoron is saying there's also there's a new Ambedkar communist lobby too. Okay, I don't know if it's actually it might be actually new communist, but I don't trust you, Oxymoron, because any I think like you might be calling things that are not communist communists just because they're the left of you. But anyways, there might be communists. But okay, so there's that interesting. Can we clap for the next news? Um. Oh boy, so this is. A big one. We can clap. Okay, well, we'll get into it. All right. Next news. Next news. Indian MP visiting Australia compares Muslim conquest of India to the big H. So this story contains a lot of words that YouTube really hates, particularly referring to the massive tragedy that was inflicted upon the Jewish people during World War II. I think we all know what we talk, what I'm talking about. Hey, I call wait it a BH. second. It's not just the Jewish people. Okay, this is LG. This is Pride okay, Month. Yeah. Okay, so yes. it was also it was it was six million Jewish people, but there was also a whole bunch of other people like gay, um, LGBT members and also handicapped people and also Romanis um, mm -hmm. and also wait, hand, did I say handicapped people? Yeah. Yes. Um, and political people that politically descended okay so we see like we have to remind people that the big h was not about just the jews but also a lot of jews but other people as well okay but go ahead. see anyways I, i'm a so, good i'm never mind go on I was going <laughs> so yeah when i say the big h if you don't know what yeah. word i'm talking about it's on the screen okay but i have to use it because youtube really hates when i use the actual word okay so um in may of 2022 Te Jaswi Surya, a uh, member of parliament representing the Hindu nationalist BJP Party of India, attended the Australia-India Youth Dialogue, or AIYD. He told an audience in Paramatta, man, Australians have weird names for things, Paramatta, that the history of Islam and a- Stop being racist to Australians, please. Thank you very much. Okay. He told an audience in Paramatta that the history of, of, of Islam and a particular community is, quote, writ large with bloodshed and violence. He also said, quote, the Islamic chapter in India is the bloodiest chapter in the history of the world. He asked the audience if they had Jewish friends and spoke of the availability of films portraying the horrors of the Big H, but none depicting the Islamic conquest of India. His appearances were met with protests from Australian Muslim groups. Junaid Ahmed, a student in the University of New South Wales and a representative of a coalition of Muslim student associations, told The Guardian that giving a platform to Surya normalizes his views. Quote, such hate speech promotes Islamophobia and facilitates violent extremism. Discrimination and hate speech should not be accepted at our universities or in our wider Australian societies, um, Ahmed stated. 
Nevertheless, the Australia-India Youth Dialogue responded to media requests for comment by stating that they are a, quote, staunchly apolitical organization. Wait, this is the tweet by SJ Wereleman. This guy is a nut job. I don't know if this is a good representative. Okay, but no, CJ Wereleman, like, I disagree with a lot of what he says, but this was just a very good, it was a good clip of what this MP said. So we can watch actually what he said. Um, It's kind of long, so we won't watch the whole thing, but let, let's watch the first two minutes. In all of your minds. We have seen the history of this particular, uh, you know, community from the time of its existence. And its history has been writ large with bloodshed and violence. I think uh, there are two things that as a community we must do. This will also kind of touch the question on Tipu Sultan and others. How many of you have Jewish friends here? Almost all of us do, right? We have interacted with some Jew at some point in time. You will know that uh, if you just go on Netflix, right? I'm sure all of you have Netflix accounts. Ashita, do you have one? You can at least find 10 movies based on or telling the story of the Jewish Holocaust. How many stories do we have that we have put on Netflix or on such streaming platforms? which tell the world the gory story of the Islamic invasion of India. Zero. That was basically like all I wanted to show. Zero. He kind of goes on uh, and he talks like so slowly. Yeah, but okay, so but he's not encouraging violence though, is he? Like look at the tweet. He says, like, he didn't directly, like, so the CJ guy, he says, on Australian soil, encouraging violence against Muslims. Does it, does it continue? I, I don't want, if it does encourage violence, I don't want to play it because we might get in trouble. But does he go? Okay, so and CJ goes on to say that he's equating Indian Muslims with Yahtzees. Again, where you need he to. He didn't do that. Words. Did he do that? He didn't do I mean, that. He didn't How many, do that. I mean, technically, he's right about, like, I don't know if this guy is a nutjob or not. I mean, he is. He's BJP. Okay, so he's a nutjob by default. But yeah, yeah, at yeah. this point, at this point, he's not uh, wrong. Like, how many Muslims? How many Hindus died uh, with the Muslim invasion? How many? Millions and millions and millions. Yeah, millions. I mean, so. How is that not comparable? It is comparable. That's one thing that I My, thought was kind of interesting about this news story. Like, that is something to consider. It's like the death toll is enormous. Like, unfathomable. Unfathomable. But what is the issue with what he's saying is he starts off by saying the history of this particular community from its Oh, inception. yeah, yeah. That's the problem. 
good, good. That's yeah, a good, huge good, problem. That's a good huge catch, problem. Good catch. Okay, so the pro- okay, yes, very good, very good, very good, Susanna. So the problem is not that this event didn't happen. The event did happen, and maybe it deserves a lot more attention. Okay, because this was like a massacre. Okay, in history, bigger than the Big Edge. It was a massacre. I, I maybe I'll, I'll look it up. I don't know how many people died, but I, I thought it was bigger than the Big Edge. Okay, um. What he's doing wrong is that he's equating Muslims today, living today, with what happened with, with some other people that that lived a long time ago that have nothing to do with the people that are today. You know what I mean? It's, it's guilt, guys. It's guilt by association. It's a exactly. form of collective mindset, collective punishment, and holding people of a community collectively responsible for crimes that they have not committed. Okay, so. That is the problem with what he's saying. Right, good, good call. Oh, yeah, Bengali Hindu is saying 80 million Hindus di- uh, died is a bit exaggerated. Okay, so some people are saying 80, 80 million. Some people are saying it's exaggerated. I mean, there were mountains literally named after the fact that Hindus died. Okay, like Hindu, Hindu Kush means, Kush means killing, and Hindu is Hindu. Okay, and that's the Hindu Kush mountains. So how many people? So some people know it isn't. Okay, I'm gonna have to look up the data because I can't trust you guys. How I tried. Hindus? I tried to look this up before the show, but all I found was like really uncredible sources that had a very obvious agenda. So I really didn't know what to go with. A lot of people quote eight million, but there's also historians that have major issues with that. And what's interesting is, um, you know, like this conquest and talking about like if it should be considered genocide and all these things is a really interesting conversation because it happened in a vastly different way than the big h which is one of history's first attempts at like a secret genocide um whereas what happened with the islamic quest conquest of india i mean this happened over years and years and years and years right so it wasn't um as condensed so there's, there's a lot of things that are very dissimilar about the two events. It doesn't mean that they're not, it's not something that shouldn't be talked about. I think one thing that's really interesting is all of the rhetoric that was coming out of the people that were protesting him. Like, just talking about it promoting Islamophobia. And I think there... I don't know. I have. I. I don't know how much of this was like edit, edited out by the people who actually published the stories. But I just wish these criticisms of him were more pointed in exactly what we're saying. Like, this is how you are taking what happened centuries ago and blaming it on Indian Muslims now, and using that to make them guilty to justify policies against their well-being. And you're promoting that internationally. You know, instead of saying like. I don't necessarily, I don't have a problem with people making movies about this kind of thing. In the end, however, okay, no, here's the problem though. At the end of his speech, the part that he didn't say, he said, oh, the Kashmir Files was like a good attempt at doing this. So for those who don't know, the Kashmir Files is a movie that came out recently that caused widespread incitement of violence against Muslims across the Indian country. And um, it has it's chock full of historical inaccuracies in talking about the expulsion of Hindus from Kashmir. Um, And so he's like, Oh yeah, it was a good attempt at kind of showing the story. And basically like he wants to showcase and propagandize 
I mean, it's it actually is an okay thing to talk about Hindus being persecuted like by Islam. Like I I'm totally fine with that. But like he's clearly propagandizing it and the fact that he holds up a cash the Kashmir files as an example. I was like, "Oh, dude, you're telling me everything I need to know." <laughs> like Okay, um Oxymoron is saying so Hindus should not have claimed um should not have a claim to victimhood as a whole only if they are uh, Wait, I think only. I think you mean that if we're if we don't want to be collective, so you can't say every shudra is a victim. Yeah, I agree with that. That's why, for example, as like I, like a lot of I criticize a lot of ex-Muslims who haven't uh, been oppressed. Like we know, like ex-Muslims are a target. Okay, we know ex-Muslims. Okay, are being targeted for oppression and for discrimination and to be threatened. Okay, and their lives could be at risk. That doesn't mean that every ex-Muslim is a victim. You can't just say like. Because I'm an ex-Muslim, therefore I'm a victim, right? So, for example, I'm an ex-Muslim. I'm fine, okay? I'm not being oppressed by anybody, okay? Just because, But we can't say this community is being targeted and that deserves attention. But that doesn't make automatically every single of that of that community a victim. So I agree with that. You have to look at it. That would mean many Shudras have become victim because the fact that the community is being targeted. Um, so that's yeah, how you look at it. I mean, like, it. no one made that claim. I don't know what you're responding to. Um, yeah. Wait, there was another good comment. Um, Forever Stormy is saying the problem isn't that they're talking about history. The problem is that they are blaming people existing today for what happened centuries back. And right. uh, Bubble oh, oh, sorry. Wait, Bubble is yeah. saying, uh, oh, man, these names are so hard for me. I'm sorry, guys. They, Jasvi Surya also got into trouble with the princess of Dubai for making fun of FGM victims in the Middle East. Wow. You would think that as someone who obviously opposes Islam as much as he does, like he would have sympathy for women who'd gone through that experience. But okay, what a piece of work. Um, Bubble is also saying millions over the course of a few centuries is horrible, but perhaps fairly common at the time for nations. Using it as a victim card today is quite stupid. Correct me if I'm wrong. It wasn't common, okay? Like, yeah, uh, wars and invasions were common, but not this not to this level okay this was uh uniquely um crazy you know what i mean like there are certain like even though wars were more common back then there are certain events in history that like go like are uniquely um bloody evil okay like for example Chinggis khan's invasion like was not common okay that level of massacre this one also the like there's actually very few examples where in history where things get this bad the level of uh, bloodshed gets get to this level of when uh, when the arabs invaded india okay or the muslims invaded india okay um but also when it comes to using it as a victim card today is quite stupid that part i agree with okay because you weren't there you weren't being slaughtered okay as nothing it's kind of like iranians today who claim like, oh my God, our ancestors were like killed mm. by the Arabs. They're like, okay, well, you, you did it. You weren't killed. Okay. So shut up. Like you're not the victim. Okay. So it has nothing to do with you personally. But so the second part, it's very part different. Whereas like, there are people who are like, that I'm friends with that they're like, yeah, my parents survived the big age. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. I mean, you can still complain if it goes in like, uh, up to 10 generations, okay? 
because there's a multi-generational poverty that you're feeling it. Well, not 10 generations, maybe like four. Okay. Then after four, maybe stop complaining. It's, it's, okay. We need to have a serious discussion about when. You yeah, yeah. Like at at one at what point can you you have to stop complaining? How many generations of victimhood do we accept? Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah. Also, PK is also confirming. Basically, he's trying to say we blame today's Muslims for the past. Exactly. That's the point. Yeah. It also ties into how much Hindu for rhetoric goes into blaming people are going to massacre me for the way i'm about to pronounce this name the most hated muslim ruler of india aurangzeb um and how they're constantly constantly talking about aurangzeb and like rectifying india from this damage that aurangzeb did like it was centuries ago and constantly bringing this up as this spot of grievance it's like how was the nation supposed to move forward you India is is not just like America is a nation. Like India is a nation, but it's a civilization. It has a civilizational identity. And so you can't keep carrying like this backpack full of these ghosts. Like it happened. It was part of the time. I don't know. The, the, like the, the very politicized use of these historical figures and happenings is very interesting and troubling to me especially just how it's used to basically just inflict punishment on people today mm. yep i mean and this is not uniquely indian people are doing that everywhere mm. okay people are blaming people uh for their past for the the crimes of it's hey hey dear hindus okay stop thinking in an abrahamic mindset okay this is you thinking in an abrahamic mindset this is the crimes of the father is the crime of the son this is a biblical narrative maybe get out of your box and think things more with more nuance okay this is you being an in an abrahamic box okay there we go oh wait just uh, for what it's worth in in case this is correct sahana is saying this man has a gutter mouth but he wasn't making fun of fgm victims he was making fun of the muslim men who committed okay I'm not sure which is true, but I just thought I would throw that in there before we close the segment in case we got that wrong. So. Cool. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, can we clap for the next news? Um, yes, this is funny. The, the, okay, so from now on, like the rest of the news is like light and like inconsequential. Mostly. Oh, thank you, please. All right. <laughs> next news. Next news, a cult club rejected after concerns that it may summon Satan at university. May hey, 25th, literally, thank you, please. I didn't even know this is going to be satanic, but yeah, go on. On May 25th, an Australian, an Australian college rejected the full registration of the Adelaide University Occult Club, um, or AUOC, a student organization made by and for students who practice Satanism, paganism, and witchcraft. Ashley Towner, the AUOC president, told ABC Australia that the rejection came from one complaint that claimed that their club wanted to summon Satan to the university and that, quote, occultists are always involved in criminal activity. 
quote, even if we did want to summon Satan, it's not against university or union policy to do so, so it's still not really grounds to reject us, Towner said. <laughs> I have to read that again. That made me laugh so hard earlier today. Even if we did want to summon Satan, it's not against university or union policy to do so. So it's really not grounds to reject us. Yeah, like show us where it says we can't summon Satan. <laughs> where is that in the guideline? <laughs> <laughs> the club was formed in the latter half of 2020 and provisionally registered with the Adelaide University Union in early 2021. Registration is vital as it allows for funding and access to space and equipment at the university. The club is now unaffiliated and not allowed on university grounds. The AUU president, Oscar Ong, insisted that the application had not been rejected, but tabled for a later discussion, which in his words was standard procedure. As of now, AUU has six Christian clubs, one Muslim club, and one secular club. They're all registered. Okay, what kind of university bans something like this? Is this like a Christian university or something like that? Um, let me double check really quickly. Uh, also, how dare you? How dare you? You goddamn hypocrites. You this is a university, okay? You're talking we're talking about Satan here. You owe him for all the knowledge that you have. Every university <laughs> is satanic church by default. This is his third territory. Like you have to you have to you should have a temple in every university dedicated to this to Satan. Who was the person responsible for giving humans the apple, the fruit of knowledge, the fruit of knowledge, everybody. It was God who wanted you to be dumb, blind, and deaf. It was Satan who introduced you to knowledge. Like, I think like this should be mandatory for every university to have a temple dedicated to Satan. With the, with, with like, it needs to, there needs to be a statue of him um you know with the apple for like everybody could you know get on their knees and like receive the apple from satan it's a university it's where you go to gain you knowledge have a point yeah i mean every university is a de facto church to satan whether you want it or not they and were these people were just let me tell you the religious conservatives would have you believe that as well they push that narrative the hardest yeah they're right i agree with them <laughs> <laughs> People hail oh, yeah. Satan's university. Puya say no, it's not a Christian university. I looked it up and it appears to be a public hell? university. Okay, isn't this a form of religious discrimination? Um, Miss Show is pointing this out. Potentially, potentially the 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 you know the union for the university is saying, oh no no, it wasn't outright rejected. It was tabled. We we might you know. We might, you know, talk about this again later. We'll see. I don't know how much of that is just whatever they're saying to the press. Um, okay, Prometheus is here saying it was me, Armin. Don't give credit to Satan only. Prometheus, you're a prototype of Satan, okay? Why do you think your stories are so similar? Hey, okay, Steaming. if he's the prototype of Satan, that means he's the OG. So you need to put some respect on his name and address him okay. more respectfully. Yeah. Come on, Norman. Okay, fine, fine. Thank you, Prometheus, for the fire. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. Actually, Prometheus, Prometheus has like suffered a lot more for for like what did Satan? What did Satan get? He had to crawl in his belly. He got banished and from he, Eden. 
Yeah, and also crawl in his belly. If if you accept yeah. the Christian narrative that the, the snake was Satan, okay? But Prometheus had to like his he had to watch his liver being eaten over delivered. And over and over again. He was delivered, delivered. every single yeah. day. Thank you for your sacrifice, Prometheus. Prometheus and, actually oh, is one of the best. Yeah, he is. Like actually, when it comes to all the sacrifices, we have three major sacrifices, okay? Jesus, Odin, and Prometheus. The greatest sacrifice in mythology is Prometheus, okay? Jesus was like, I I get I stay here in an afternoon and then I'm gonna be king in heaven. Okay, one afternoon, one afternoon of torture for being king in heaven. Not that big of a sacrifice, okay? Odin sacrificed himself for his own gain. I mean, it's admirable that he did that to gain knowledge, okay? But he was directly, he, he did it for himself. He was benefiting for himself, okay? Prometheus, knowingly, knowingly that he's going to be ter- tortured potentially forever. I mean, Hercules uh, saved them. But for a very long time, no, like not just one afternoon like Jesus, being tortured over and over and over again for years, knowingly went and stole the fire for us human beings. He basically gave us a t- the gift of... By the way, fire... It wasn't just fire. It was the gift of technology. Fire represents technology. Like it was the thing that made everything run. Okay. So anyway, thank you. Thank you, Prometheus. That's the message. Um, <laughs> Forever Stormy is saying, Armin coming out as a Satanist tonight. We thought he was a Takiya Muslim, but he was a Satanist all along, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and second, we is saying, hey, at, at least Prometheus actually showed up in the chat better than Allah's lazy ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, Allah's daughters sometimes show up here. True. True, yeah. true, true. Allah's Akbar. Um, yeah, so I just thought that was amusing. All right. So, <laughs> And remember, guys, remember. It's not against university policy to summon Satan. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Can we uh, clap for the next news? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Next news. Next news. Quran predicted Facebook claims Egyptian Islamic preacher. Classic. I love a good, you know, Quran prophecy. On May 22nd, Dr. Mabruk Atiyah, a Egyptian Muslim preacher and professor at Egypt's prestigious Al-Azhar University, claimed on a Facebook live stream that both the internet and Facebook were mentioned in verse 83 of the Quran. The verse reads, And when there comes to them information about public security or fear, they spread it around. But if they had referred to it back, if they had referred it back to the messenger, the Prophet Muhammad, or those of authority among them, then the ones who can draw correct conclusions from it would have known about it. And then he said, quote, quote, isn't this talking about the Internet? You people who love to broadcast and spread news, Dr. Atiyah asked. Atiyah was trying to express that people who spread news without verifying it are quote-unquote, sick at heart. Another Islamic studies professor at his university, uh, Amna Nusir, criticized Atiyah's claims by saying that these remarks were, quote, contrived and a deviation from the meaning of the Quran. Wait, how does he know it was Facebook and not, like, TikTok? 
or or like how does he verify that i mean i maybe um, it was just he was on a facebook live stream he was like i mean this is this is what i'm talking about this is why we're here wait oh, okay i mean he's using youtube how how is this not about TV? No, that that clip how, was then taken and posted on YouTube. Like and then like, he's like, oh, it's the internet. Maybe he's talking about the internet as a whole, but he's on TV. Maybe it's about like TV. How is he identifying? What are you talking exactly about? Which... He he is often on TV. He wasn't during this. Oh, you mean in general? No, in general, the verse could be referring to all sorts of media. If he wants to say, but it's about yeah. media. You know, maybe it's maybe it was radio. I don't know. <laughs> Broadcasting how is he identifying? News. Yeah, how is he identifying that this is specific? Well, girl, the Quran predicted that too, clearly. Yeah, well, he's on it. He's using media. So what the hell? So are you <laughs> like he's obviously using media to spread his message? So what is he talking about? Is he a hypocrite? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is he's on YouTube? Is this his YouTube channel? I don't know. I mean, if it is, then how do you know it wasn't about YouTube? Okay, I, I think I think the Quran is fine with Facebook, but TikTok is where the Quran draws a line. Okay, this verse. Honestly, me too. To I understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know what to say. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, it could also be that. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think the Quran has a problem with that. Um. What do you think is the most ridiculous claim about like the Quran prophesizing something that you've heard? This is like medium tier for me. Yeah, I well, I mean, I, we were told in school that the you you could find um, the blueprints for how to build like a, a Boeing inside the Quran. Okay. <laughs> 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 no, like okay. no <laughs> good old Islamic education. <laughs> no, it was like it's basically our all forms of technology. If you is hidden within the Quran, even if it comes, <laughs> yeah, and there, like every technology, like every technology that we have today, there's somehow Quran. If you there's an enigma that if you solve, you will be able to, you know find all the technologies of today already predicted by the Quran. Not only, not, it's not just prediction. It's, you know, accurate instructions exactly of how to do it. All of it is oh within God. the Quran. Yeah. Like, is, I mean, is I mean, the fabric of the universe, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Like, that's, that's the argument. So the Boeing example was just an example of saying, like, the entirety of knowledge is somehow condensed in the Quran in a very mysterious way. And if you were able to decipher that, you will be able to get everything from it, including, as an example, how to build a Boeing. Wow. Yeah, it reminds me of all yeah. those, like, conspiracies about, like, the numerology of the Quran. Like, if you... if this is mentioned like five times and this is managed like twice as many times. And then if you, if you take the number of the verses and divide it by the number of chapters, like it reveals then God's mercy. Like Stuff is so interesting to me. By the way, this guy's a li literally a doctor. Like is that like a real doc? Like, like actually like he got a doctor. Where did he get his? Oh, from, uh -huh, from Al-Azhar University. 
Oh my god. So he's not a real I doctor. mean that explains everything, right? You oh no, he actually teaches there. I don't know where he got his doc- doctor. I don't know where more. he got it, On but what? it's not he's not a medical doctor. Well, I didn't say that. Of course it's not. Anyways. Medical doctor? I mean, <laughs> hey, that was racist. a really bad Zachariah impression. <laughs> like, <Okay>. Really bad. <laughs> um. Okay. Can we clap for the next news? Um. Wait. This is a funny comment from Secular Rarity saying, "Trying to unravel all the BS in the Quran to give details for an airplane and roasting it uh, and, and roasting a chicken, etc." Sounds exactly what I imagine hell is like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. There's only one medical doctor. <laughs> medical <Yes>. doctor? <laughs> All right. Can we clap for the next one? Yes. We yes, we can. All right. And next news. Next news. Pride for LGBT Saudis protesting for LGBT prisoners. Well, for many people around the world, LGBT Pride Month is a time for fun parties and celebration for the Saudi LGBT community, it's a time for protest. The Saudi Diaspora Association, a movement that advocates for freedom, justice, liberty, and equality in Saudi Arabia, is organizing an international um, is it's organizing an international event called the Suhail Pride 2022 at Saudi Arabian embassies. The event calls for the immediate release of Suhail uh, Al Al Yahya imprisoned in Saudi for being gay in a Muslim-majority country. In October 2019, Al-Yahya uh, Al was arrested by the Saudi authorities and sentenced to three years in prison in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, for simply tweeting a picture of himself wearing leopard print swim shorts. He received 800 lashes as punishment. In an interview with the Atheist Republic news team, Zach Al-Rais, one of the organizers of Suhail Pride 2022, said their goal this time is, quote, focused on a broader civil rights issue, not just one prisoner. On June 26, 2021, the first Suhail Pride event included vigils in front of Saudi Arabia's embassy in different countries. This year, Suhail Pride will be held in Berlin on July 23rd. Oh, wow, that's really good. Good, good job. Oh, here's a picture of them. Yeah. Wow, so look at that picture. If you scroll down, you will actually see the tweet that Suhail oh, wow, was. Yeah. Oh. Wait, oh, if you this click is what on he... it. This is, this, uh, this is what he got in trouble for? Yes. So because of this yeah. photo, if you click on it, you actually like see more of it. He's just like posing in shorts, like looking cute. Look at him. He's just like, oh, I missed the caption is miss the sun. I'm just like looking cute with my curly hair, my little swim shorts. And, and because of this, he he's been imprisoned for three years and tortured with 800 lashes because of this. Because of this? How is this on his stomach? You he tell had to, me. He, he has been imprisoned for three years and been tortured for this picture. Yes. Miss hmm. the sun. Okay, I'm trying to figure out how this is un Islamic. I mean, you are allowed to miss the sun in Islam. 
technically I, I think men are supposed to cover I think everything if you down could, to their knees. Yeah, but that's not like a major crime if you don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I think they they were like this is just like they read into it everything that I mean, doesn't this I don't know. So if you go to the show notes, um, there's something I want to share. So if you could share the petition that I posted. No, but seriously, like even by Islamic standards, even if, okay, here's, here's what I'm saying. Okay, here's my point, okay? Even if you, you are right that this is suggestive, okay? Okay? But technically by Islamic standards, you need to be able to prove something. Okay, even like I know Islam is horrible and all, but there it's not chaotic evil. Okay, it's organized evil. Okay, given that Islam is organized evil, they have some standards for how you could the barriers that you have to meet before you could punish somebody. Okay, so even if you agree that this is, I don't know, sexually suggestive, it, sh it shouldn't be able, you shouldn't in an Islamic court, you shouldn't be able to pass any punishments upon this person because there's because there's a chance that it's not like there's there's no way for you to verify that it is. There's no proof. There's no evidence for it that it is. It's like there's plausible deniability for you to be able to get away with not getting punished. So whatever court punished them is like doing something that doesn't pass the Islamic sniff test. Oh, so you are. Yeah, this is the petition. Yeah. So if you wait in the show notes, can you go to the petition? Because I want to show it. Um, yeah, okay. So in live chat, I also posted a link to the Facebook event so you guys can participate in Suhail Pride. Um, I wanted to cover this story because Zach is someone who's a great member of Atheist Republic community. Um, he's been interviewed by Secular Jihadists before and does so much work for LGBT Saudis. And he reached out to me and he said, Susanna, like, can you guys talk about this event that we're putting on? So Please go join Suhail Pride. Check it out. Link that I just put in. And um, when this clip gets cut, I'll put it in the description as well. Um, and then also I put a link to this petition to free Suhail in the live chat. It's very quick. It explains more about his case. It explains more about what happened to him. And it takes you 30 seconds to sign the petition. And I know it means a lot to the people campaigning for his release. Um, I was reading Wait. a lot of articles written by LGBT Saudis today and like how hard they fight for each other and what it means. And um, honestly, like I started, I like started crying today, like reading these articles about the LGBT Saudi community and just what they have to go through. Like Suhail before he, he got imprisoned this way, he faced all these troubles and arrests for basically parental disobedience. In Saudi Arabia, the police can arrest you and like hold you in contempt for disobeying your parents. Um, and he's had to face a lot. He was even actually managed to flee to America. And then the Saudi government basically entrapped him, tricked him to coming back by saying that his mom was sick. And then threw him in jail and tortured him. Only 109 people have signed the petition so far. That's crazy. That's very low. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why you I understand? wanted to promote it. Like so. With all the attention that this is getting, only only 
only one only 100 people like that's insane okay i'm signing it right now oh thank you fantastic yeah and so i just posted that link please go sign it and um i will also post the link when we um ah misha is saying that she just signed it as well thank you um yeah thank you guys. i think to show support especially during pride month yeah yeah, I mean, how could be like I say people claim to support Pride and everything, but if you can't even do a signature, then, then what the hell? Um, all right, okay. Thank you, Susanna, for bringing these things to our attention. A lot of us would have missed all of this if you didn't bring us this to our attention. So we, we really appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Um. um so now it's time for the last news. Last news. Okay. Can we clap for this one? Yes, we can. All right. <laughs> Next news. You know we can. Last oh, yeah. news. Armin Navabi returns to Instagram. So, guys, um, for those who are not aware, back in 2020, when Armin blasphemed against the goddess Kali, um, his Instagram was mass reported and then hacked and got deleted by Hindutva. That was the only account they managed to actually hack and delete. Um, and yeah, he's been gone from Instagram ever since. And Armin recently came back to Instagram and I thought I would take the moment to promote it. Go follow Armin. Yeah. Do you have anything yeah, but, to say about your return? But well, yeah, but you should say why I returned. Like there was a re specific reason. Yes. Well, this is my interpretation of why he returned. So for those who are not aware, in Iran, the internet is really slowed down by the government. And there are very few sites, and especially social media sites, that people can use to engage with community. So in Iran, Instagram is one of those few remaining places. It's kind of like one of the last standing um, social media sites of, of where Iranians can go and like share things and really express themselves more. And so having a presence on Instagram is really important because that's also where you can build influence and a following with these communities. And so I've been encouraging Armin to get back on Instagram because the Atheist Republic Persian channel has been doing really, really well recently, growing in influence. And that means that Armin needs to be growing his presence on Instagram because that's, you know, you have to go where the people are, especially because the Iranian community has, um, is so restricted in where they can access information. Um, so that, that's, that, to me, that's why you're back on Instagram. <laughs> Did I summarize yeah, that is, correctly? No, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, one of the, so the most popular, because of people have to use uh, VPN and stuff for YouTube, for Facebook, for so many things. But there's two social media that is very popular in Iran because it hasn't yet been blocked. One of them is Instagram. The other one is Clubhouse. And because we, I'm very becoming more and more active on Atheist Republic's Persian side, um, these are the places that I have to be active. So I am spending a lot of time on Clubhouse with the Persian community, with Persian atheists, Iranian atheists, and Persian Persian speaking athe atheists. Okay, whether they're Iranian or not, um, and. So now I'm getting active on, on Instagram as well. And yeah, I, I, so people are asking, did you get your followers back? No, no, I lost that account, uh, but this is a new one. And I, I just started it just a few days ago. So 
it's been good. It's been good. Like it's only it a few, be... like only a few days ago, and already like almost five hundred followers. So good, good return. No, that was because <laughs> of one event. Like it's not. I don't know if it's gonna grow like this, but there was a major event that I was invited to on Instagram Live by a you know a very famous person, and that already just gave me my first almost five hundred right away. So that was good. Yeah. <laughs> Forever Stormy and saying, I knew he was messing with Iran when I saw that star of David. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, had to put this here. <laughs> so yeah, of course you did. Uh, yeah. So, everyone, please go follow Armin on Instagram. It is at the Armin Navabi. Okay. Easy to remember. There's only one, the Armin Navabi, and he's here. <laughs> he's with us. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Anything right, else well, to add? No, no, no. But uh, guys, just be mindful that I'm gonna go live on Instagram, and you're not gonna understand anything in the live. So it's gonna be it's gonna be me speaking Persian. So just warning you about that. Hell yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. All right, guys. Thank you for today's. Uh, thank you, Susanna. Thank you for all the research and all the work, and thank you to our writers for preparing and writing these articles. Um, you know. We were like, guys, you have no idea how much work goes behind this, this stream that we do. Like Susanna puts so much time and effort to get these uh, news items out here for you. And she does uh, spends a lot of time researching. Okay. So just like, I just want you guys to be grateful. Oh. I am very grateful. Okay. So oh, thank anyways. you. <laughs> and also make sure you like the video and you subscribe to the channel and hit the bell. Okay, that's Satan's bell. I have been telling that in the Persian stream and it's getting more people to hit the bell, bell notification, right? I've been telling people that this uh, Zanguli Shaitan means Satan's bell and that people makes people hit it more often. Okay, so that's Satan's bell, hit Satan's bell. Um, and also once the stream is over, leave a comment under the video and these things will help us maybe slowly grow the channel, right? Uh, people are saying, you guys rock. Thank you guys. Oh, thank you guys. Even I mean, Kaim, Kaim is saying thanks for the show. I was listening uh, while in the gym today. Oh, good, good, good job. Nice, nice, nice. Yes, yes, great show. People are saying great show. Thank you to you both. Oh, thank you guys. All right, um, guys, we'll see you in a few days when we do the QA. And I am working on an edited clip on the caste system in, in, in Hinduism. So, I, like, because the Hindu streams are a bit too long so i'm going to make short edited videos on hinduism so hopefully i'll get that done very soon so look out for that make sure if you're interested in that make sure you subscribe so that's coming out soon all right guys bye happy pride happy pride